Welcome into another episode of the Angry Quarterbacks. I'm Richard Skinner from Local 12 and Local12.com with the real quarterback Tony Pike of Reading High School, UC, and Carolina Panthers fame. We'll talk some high school football, some NFL, some college football, lots to talk about on each of those fronts. We'll start the segment with high school football, however, um, and a, a couple of, of really good games coming up this week. you got Coleraine at Princeton. That could have been a better game if Princeton had hung Ooh, on to beat Sycamore. Interesting game. Uh, yeah, that would have been a little bit more interesting, again, had they had they hung on to win that game and, and unfortunately did not. Um, you've got some really good games uh, involving GCL teams as they kind of uh, ramp up into GCL play coming up this week. Let's start with a team that's been everybody's number one for the most part. Uh, I know we have had them as number one at Local 12. I think other outlets in town have had them number one, the Elder Panthers, the last two weeks, Tony. Uh, One shootouts against Indy Cathedral, and then last week against Clearwater Academy, 60-54. Does that raise a red flag about the defense, or does that tell you that, hey, they are good enough offensively to get the job done no matter what the defense does? I I still think they can be a... A defense, not a dominant defensive team, but they can be a good defensive team. That team they played last week, they had dudes. I, I heard I mean, they, they had, had some. Really I think they had good, twelve guys yeah. that are going to be playing at the next yeah, level. Now a, they didn't have a ton of depth. Yeah, I think they only had thirty-five kids. Yeah, but man, talent-wise, that was a, a group that could put it together. I've, I've been impressed at the the way that they can score. They can do it running the ball. They can do it throwing the ball. But um, they can protect the quarterback. They can pound you up front. And when you look at late in the season. What separates teams, if you get those cold, bad-weather yep. games, Elder's a team that can withstand that because of their style of play. You don't have a, a team that has to throw it 30 times a game to win. They can line up and they can punch you in the mouth for four quarters and wear you down up front. And I would say they probably won't see a whole lot better team athletically than Clearwater right. Academy. Um, they, they may not face a team more disciplined than Andy Cathedral. And so they've they've withstood a couple of pretty good punches here in the in the non conference. Um, it's still going to be all out battle with X. Yes. Uh, LaSalle, I think, is still going to going to contend. Moeller's way down the depth chart when you're talking about the GCL South. But I, I know some people probably are alarmed by those last two weeks for Elder. I'm more of the I, hey, they gave up 659 yards, and, and yep. you, you can't do that usually and win a high school football. In high school football, that is a boatload of yards. Mm-hmm. But they found a way to win both games against good teams. That's the thing. Clearwater Academy, as you mentioned, they've got guys. they got a receiver going yeah. to Clemson. I mean, they've just got a bunch of good players, and Elder withstood the punch. I, I think for them it's a great test. It's a, it's a great test, and it's something to rely on at different points of the season and say, hey, we've already been through this. It's, it, it hasn't been a cakewalk all the way through. We haven't dominated our opponents. We've had to really dig down, see what we're made of, and I think you come out of games like that with a better understanding for the players of what they have and for the coaching staff to say hey, we got some guys that can get it done uh, when their numbers called or when their names called. So I think I see it as a positive for Elder. I think I think the last two weeks especially, and and I think it leads into kind of where we're going. The the GCL as a whole, outside of what Moeller is right now, is going to be really tough throughout the year. Yeah, St. X uh, with a win over Penn last week, 37-7. They play Indy Cathedral. Uh, they, this will be the third time that uh, Indy Cathedral's played a GCL South team. They shut out uh, Moeller in game one, then lost the touchdown game to Elder. So maybe this says a little bit about X. I mean, th- maybe X is somewhere in the middle here. We're going to find out. Or is X a team, if they go dominate Indy Cathedral, do we look up and go, well, Elder was all out to beat him, and look what X did. So maybe X raises our eyebrows a little bit more. They played pretty well in the non-league, obviously. It wins over Coleraine and Cathedral. Yeah, I think for the for the most part, where I've seen and where I've had St. X throughout is number two behind Elder. So I think you're going to get a good barometer of where these teams are at. And obviously, once they play each other, you throw that out the window anyway because you know you're always going to right. get a physical drag-out game. But no, this is a this is a week for St. X to uh, 
to kind of build on what they've had already. And when you talk about what they're building on, it, it's the the play of quarterback Matthew Reevy up to this point, who's kind of taken over the last couple of years for St. X. They knew what they had. Right. John Clifford, Chase Wolf, uh, even up, even back to last year to Wired Hudipole, who had committed to, to Kentucky for baseball. Matthew Reevy was kind of unknown going into this year, and, and he's kind of taken uh, this, this league by storm, and he's doing it uh, behind a brilliant offensive coordinator who is um, – able to game plan around some faults that maybe that offense has uh, to give themselves a chance to win. All right, we mentioned in the Greater Miami Conference, we'll have the game for you. One of three games we'll have for you on ESP Media this week. Cole Rain at Princeton. The other games, Loveland at Withrow and Moeller at Winton Woods. We'll talk about Winton Woods here in just a second. Uh, we're going to kind of go down the Division One level in, in Ohio. I, I want to go to Fairfield next. Um, they, they haven't really been tested at this point. I don't know if they're going to get tested Friday against Hamilton. Um, Hamilton got, got beat pretty soundly by Lakota West in its Greater Miami Conference opener. But I've liked this Fairfield team since the start of the season. Uh, you know, Centerville's down. The win at Springfield was a good win because Springfield's 2-1. and one. It's the only loss they have. They beat Middletown the way they should have beaten Middletown. You know, they've, they've got a stretch of schedule, though, at the end of the year. Um, after Hamilton, they go west-east, and then they've got Princeton, Sycamore, Oak Hills, which is a layup, and Coleraine. So three of the last four games are really when Fairfield's going to get tested. I think they get a little bit of a test from west, but I do think that they have a chance to probably run the table till they get to Sycamore, yeah. be sitting at 6-0, and undefeated in the league, and then we'll see what they're made of with Princeton, Sycamore, um, Oak Hills, and, and well, Oak Hills, not Oak Hills, but Coleraine yeah. uh, at the end. Well, I think we've up to this point we've said Coleraine, Fairfield, and Princeton. The Sycamore saying, "Whoa, whoa, wait, wait a second, yeah. wait, wait, a, and and see about us." Sycamore, they, they've they've done it, scoring a lot of points, and they held a really good Princeton team to only thirteen points. So, uh, the GMC is is a race that's going to get tighter than I think what a yeah, lot of and, people and expected. I, I, I think someone in that West East is is still good enough yeah. to to win games. I don't know if they're good enough to beat a Fairfield. But I think they're good enough to beat a Princeton. I don't. Maybe they're good enough to beat a Coleraine. I yeah. don't know. But I, I think this year it's not Coleraine and everybody else, or it's not just Coleraine and Fair. It's about four or five teams that that are really sound in that league. That that really I, I think have a chance to make the playoffs. I mean, right now, if the playoffs were today, Coleraine would actually be out. And again, the playoffs aren't today, so right. they've got plenty of time to play their way back in, and they will. But the other teams in the league, Fairfield would be in today, Sycamore would be in today, Lakota West would be in, Princeton would be in. Believe it or not, Hamilton would still be in yeah. today. It, so. it, it's a it's a conference that, for many years, like you said, has been very top heavy with Coleraine and everyone else. I, I still think that it's a a uh, a league where it's going to be a new team that that pushes forward this year. I just don't know which team it is right. because I don't know what Princeton is right now after that loss. Uh, I broadcast the game, and I'm trying to figure out what they are yeah. at this stage of the game. And, I mean, and, they, they had the game in hand, made a special teams blunder, yep. blundered the clock. They allowed Sycamore a chance to go down and kick the game-winning field goal. They scored 10 points in the last minute 59 to to really steal a win away from Princeton. It felt like, hey, Princeton's going to be 3-0 and against Coleraine. Holy cow. This yep. is, And now it becomes – well, you really need that win over Coleraine, or you're quickly out of the GMC race, and then you're in an uphill battle to make the playoffs. Right, and for a team that you know all the hype preseason, the hype. And, there was a and, lot. and now the pressure goes squarely on Princeton this week. They get Coleraine at home; it should be a fantastic game, no doubt about it. Uh, let's go to Division Two, and and I'll tell you, there are three teams that have kind of separated themselves a little bit, uh, and 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 it's going to be interesting to see which one of these three is the team that comes out of here. That's Turpin, LaSalle, and Winton Woods. Right yeah. now, two, three, and four in, in on Joe Idle's Harbin ratings. Um, again, the official rankings don't come out till after next week's games, but he is spot on, so that's about where they would be. Winton Woods, to me, is still the class of that group. They've got Moeller this week. Um, 
but I'm I'm getting more and more intrigued by this LaSalle team, and I'll talk about Turpin in a second because what they've done has been very intriguing. But I'm getting uh, Wynton Woods is really good. We knew that going in. They're proving that they're playing a tough schedule. They're doing things against a tough schedule. Yeah, it ramps up a little bit with Moeller, mm-hmm. but I think they handled Moeller because um, I, I the win over Lafayette did nothing to move my meter with Moeller. I mean, hope they enjoyed that victory um, and they pounded him pretty good. Yes. But I, I still think Wynton Woods is a, is a better team. This LaSalle team, though, they're 3-0, wins over West. It's the only loss Lakota West has. Mason's down this year, beat Mason coming off this win over Mansfield. They play Dayton Dunbar this coming week. The stretch of games, though, that we're going to know about LaSalle, they're, they, they're going to likely be 5-0 and after uh, after their fifth game. Then they've got Moeller, which probably is a win. That's yep. 6-0. And then they finish with the following. Covcath, St. X, Winton Woods, Elder. Yeah. Very tough stretch for them to end the season with. It's a tough stretch, but... The way they've done it thus far, they have a, I mean, they basically have a college secondary. Mm-hmm. Their secondary is excellent, and they have something that not a lot of teams in high school have, and that's the ability to make long field goals. I mean, so many teams have to go for it because they're not on the only 30. long. We're talking a lot of teams don't even try thirty-five right. yard field goals right. in high school. I mean, that's almost guaranteed for LaSalle. So you're able to to shrink the field. You're able to bring drives home with points and your defense is good enough and and especially that back end that that, listen you can kick some field goals and win some games if you have to down the road nine to seven twelve to ten whatever now how good that defense is is going to be go a long way when you see teams like Winton Woods in that offense when you see Covcath when you see St. X's passing game and you see Elder's running game I think it's interesting how the GCL those top three teams are are kind of molded Elder wants to ground and pound St. X is going to throw the ball and LaSalle relies on their secondary and some special teams. So it, it's going to be very interesting to see which strong point of each team kind of leads them to victory. The other team to talk about in Division Two, Turpin. They're off to a 3-0 yeah. start. And you can temper it with uh, what they beat, but they did it. They do have a win over Lakota East. Lakota East is two and one. It's the only loss for them, and they beat them by two touchdowns. How about this this nugget stat? And I got to give our friend Tom Gamble credit for for digging this one up. Turpin has not punted this year. And it's not because they're doing something newfangled where they've decided to become the first team in the country to punt. They've looked at the analytics and all that, and it says never punt the football unless it's a special. No, they've never been in a position to have to punt the football this season. That's staggering to me. Uh, yeah, and and I had a, a text actually on Friday night from a guy that follows Troy and went to Troy and said Troy was supposed to be decent this year. They beat him bad. Supposed to be a good, a good year this year. At one point, it was 55-6. to six. I mean, Turpin absolutely crushed that team so it is when you make statements like that and you have a win against Lakota East it's almost like that hey well you know we we talked about it with division one right now it's almost like hey don't forget right about us kind of what Sycamore's doing don't forget about Turpin uh so look I know it's still early in the year but looking forward to some playoff type of matchups and how teams are going to be seated is uh, is very intriguing in high school sports this year. No question. Let's get to some of the smaller schools, if you will, Divisions 3 and below, and we'll start really with, with the team that we've had number one in our local 12 top six all year, Wyoming. Tested by Mount Healthy, won 10-7. They yeah. opened G, G, uh, CHL play against, ah, what's that team's name? Ah. Oh. They got a really cool mascot. They had I can a, tell you. It's, they it's had a, a former guy that played for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I can, I can tell you it's a team that's looking for their first points. The Reading Blue Devils, they've my friend, yet to score this year. They've not scored, man. Oh, man! I was, I was, I was with you though. I was surprised at that Mount Healthy score. I thought, I thought it'd be higher. I thought it'd yeah. be close, but I thought it'd be higher scoring than that. Yep. See, I'm not sure that tells me that Wyoming's defense is that good because Mount Healthy did get blanked the week before. Or look, Mount Healthy's really good. They're one and two, and yep. and their two losses are to Coldwater, which is a perennial power, and to Wyoming by three. 
maybe just an off day for the Wyoming offense. And, and now they get into CHL play. And while Madeira's off to a great start at 3-0, yeah. Deer Park's off to a great start at 3-0, uh, Marymount's off to a great start at 3-0, Indian Hill's always a battle. They're still the class of that league. Yeah, so, I, I, and I'm not sure it's even close. I don't see how anyone in the CHL beats Wyoming this year. Now, that being said, when you look after the CHL in the playoffs, Wyoming lost a lot from last mm-hmm. year. Lost a lot of skill guys, a lot of talent on offense. So Evan Prater is a bona fide stud. Uh, it just... It, Interesting to see how far he can take that team with not as many weapons this year. Right. Another team talking about in Division uh, in Division Four. Roger Bacon off to a three and zero start. They had that goofy game against Dunbar, where the Dunbar player had butted an official, and the game got called at twenty three to eight. Handled a pretty good Newport Central Catholic team, forty one fourteen, then beat a winless Woodward team, forty five to six. But if you look out at their schedule, they've got a couple of tests on it, and they'll come come in a couple of weeks. They've got Baden this week. Um, that'll be a test, but I think they're they're a better team. They've got McNick. Um, and then down the road, CHCA, which just, I believe, let me double check, beat McNick 40 to 33. So that, mm-hmm. and they're always a quality program and a, and, and summit country day, which is three and oh, and it's always hard to get a read on them. One of the wins for them was over Reading. Another win was over a, a club team, the landmark Eagles, which used to be landmark Christian, uh, high school. So it's hard to get a read on them, but bacon in theory, if they're as good as some of the stuff they're doing might run the table. Yeah. I mean, we, you, again, we, we mentioned this with Winton Woods, and we mentioned this with Elder. To be successful in Ohio late in the year, you better be able to run the ball. And Roger Bacon got certainly checks that box. So, you know, that's another team that, yes, can they run the table? Uh, they have talent. They have some skill guys on defense. Uh, but offensively, they have the ability to control the clock, to control possession, and to run the ball and wear teams out late in the season when it gets to be those cold and windy and bad weather games. Well, and, and hit some big plays, too. I mean, that, that's the other part. Corey Kiner's the guy we're talking about, the running back. I mean, yes. all he did um, all he did last week was run for 124 and three touchdowns. He is a, a really talented kid on the year. Has run for almost 300 yards and six touchdowns, and you have to temper that with that first game got called right. uh, around halftime, so he probably would have gotten another – 80 to 100 yep. yards there. So um, off to a, to a great start, two straight weeks of 120-plus of yards rushing the ball. Um, so, yeah, they've, they've got that weapon in him and, and the ability to ground and pound. And, uh, again, just looking at their schedule, I think they've got a, an outside shot to run the table. I don't know if it can happen. CHCA is really good. Right. McNick will be a great test. But it's not like every week they're going to get a stern test. And so if they pass a couple of his tough ones, yep. uh, maybe they do uh, when, when all is said and done. Uh, over into Kentucky, uh, where Covcath continues to dominate Northern Kentucky competition. They shut out Dixie Heights. They're 4-0. Uh, one of their wins was that close win against Lexington Catholic, which has a great quarterback, Bo Allen, who's going to Kentucky. Um, won that one 39-38. But their are three games against Northern Kentucky schools, Ryle, Campbell County, Dixie Heights. None of them scored. So they continue to be the class of that. They've got Beachwood this week. That's a, that's a tough one for Beachwood. Um, I think that's for them. Just kind of survive, get through the week, yeah. don't get hurt, and, and, and move on. It'll probably get to a running clock and all of, all of those things. Beachwood's one of those teams that's interesting to me because they're, they're still searching for an identity. Yes. They're, they're struggling on the line. Their skill guys aren't really pulling through, but they do have a really good quarterback. So I think, I think Beachwood's one of those teams this year that benefits from the Kentucky playoff system. Yes, I, 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 they just get in. You know, once you're in and play your best football at the end of the year. I think because Beachwood is playing tough games early. And yeah, they played Paintsville. Yeah, they played Som- play Somerset, Cuff which Cath. was really good. Corbin was right. good. and just got a, That was a good win over Corbin for them after starting 0-2. Covcath will be a great test. They've got Taft next week. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I think when they get back to their, their 
their class, which is Class 2A, although broadcasting Lloyd and Connor on Saturday on, on the CW Cincinnati, I came away really impressed with Lloyd thinking, all right, they got a puncher's chance, and Newport in Class 2A over there is off to a yeah. 4-0 start. So that, that district that Beachwood has fallen into suddenly becomes a pretty, right. pretty tough district. So looking forward to some of that. Um, also, big game this week, though, over Northern Kentucky. It'll be Highlands taking on Ryle. And Ryle kind of got to be a forgotten team a little bit because they got beaten their opener by Covcat 37 and nothing. But since have ripped off wins over Connor, which that's their only loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cooper, that's their only loss. And then overmatch Boone County, 46 to nothing. So the game of the week by far will be Ryle taking on Highlands at Highlands uh, in, in that game. So looking forward to that. And in Indiana, of course, East Central continues to roll on their 4 0, and Lawrenceburg continues to roll on as well, 3 and 1. Any final high school thoughts, Tony Pike? No. All right. That's all I got. Moving moving on. on. We're moving on to the NFL. We're moving on to Buffalo. That's what Luana Rumo said yesterday. 3.30, time to move on to Buffalo. That's what we're going to do. we got a lot of NFL to discuss, including injuries abounding for quarterbacks. We'll look around the AFC North. We'll look at some players requesting trades, and should teams grant those requests for trades? One team certainly did. We'll talk about that much more as we continue. It's the Angry Quarterbacks from your friends at ESP Media from the James Rapine Memorial Studio. Getting answers, finding solutions. Local 12 News investigates. As soon as we called you, everything happened very quickly. Not afraid to ask the tough questions. Taking action, getting the truth. Local 12 News investigates. Welcome back into the Angry Quarterbacks. I'm Richard Skinner from Local 12 and Local12.com with the real quarterback. And now quarterback guru. See, I got a closer quarterback guru. Guru. No, he's not George. Is it Whitfield? Who's the one guy that considers himself? Whitfield. Whitfield. Yeah, you're, you're, I think you're going to. I trained under him. Did you like him? Mm, and he yeah. is Tony Pike, by the way. Thank you. Did you learn some things Good about be te- here. teaching things, or did you? Yeah. Okay. I took away more, I took away more teaching aspects than what I learned. I think. There you go. Okay. I, I, he's supposedly the quarterback whisperer, right? Yeah. What does he put you through? I mean, like, what what kind of things does he do that, a lot that makes of stuff, him unique? A lot of stuff with him is arm just, sl- is he big arm slot guy? No, a lot of stuff with him though is he's out in California, so he has the uh, the access to the beach. That, that helps. A lot of sand and a lot of water training. So this is more like strength training. Yeah, drops, things like that. Speed, footwork, which footwork. is so imperative. No question. For the quarterback position. What What is your one driving home point when you're teaching your young quarterbacks? For those that don't know, go ahead and tell tell people that, what, what you do and how they can reach you if they want their young quarterback tutor. Because yeah, you could. For, you, for the record, and I'm not kidding around, we kid around a bunch with each other. Tony Tony does work with a lot of young quarterbacks and, and high school quarterbacks and a lot of the yeah. top ones in this area. So, in case you're wondering, he does know what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah you, you can go to. Uh, at least where this is concerned. Well. Accordingly, no. You yes. can go to CincyQBAcademy.com and learn everything that we're doing. But um, this is a uh, what I what we're trying to do, and what I try to do when I work with quarterbacks is is just drive in the basics of their footwork. Uh, too many guys, uh, whether they're at the the high school level or growing up, they've always naturally had the strongest arm. Right. And you get to a point where you're not the strongest arm anymore. So and the windows to, get tighter right. and tighter. So you have to tighter. understand how to use your body to make throws. And when you do that, all of a sudden you get into high school and you start strength training and your legs become stronger. Now you're throwing the ball further. you got more zip and accuracy on your throws. So try to kind of a really ground-up type of, of QB training. And then for the kids. And, and the mental prep. You like yeah, the and then mental the prep. kids that want to and they're able to, uh, we offer the mental aspect too. So you're you're slowing the game down. I mean, the, my, my biggest – struggle at the University of Cincinnati was reading defenses and, and slowing the game down because I get in there and I didn't really understand the differences of coverages. And when you do that and you're playing against guys that are really fast and really strong, uh, the game tends to speed up for you. So we do the mental aspect as well. There you go. All right, let's talk some NFL. Let's start with the Bengals and, and the loss on Sunday. And I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. 
The team I saw in Seattle gave me hope. The team on Sunday made me think, oh, here we go again like last year. I was asked on on, on the Sports Authority on Channel 12 Sunday night, the segment I do uh, with, with Jed Demusi. He said, "Where is this? is this team closer to being the team in Seattle or closer to yeah. being the team we saw? I said, well, I said the answer is probably somewhere in between. But the problem with that is they still lost in Seattle. They lost by a big margin here. Guess what the in-between is, Tony? They're on two. The in-between is a loss. Yes. So I'm, 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 not sure, I'm not sure where to go with that question. Um, uh, let me start with you. D- did Sunday make you feel like, here we go again, and there's really no fix in sight, especially on the defensive side? Sunday made me feel bad because I don't think Pittsburgh's really good right now. They They're lose not. Ben Roethlisberger. we in a minute, yeah. And Seattle barely beat them. So, one, I don't think Seattle's very good. I think Seattle's been a beneficiary that they beat Cincinnati at home when Cincinnati had multiple chances on Seattle's side of the field to take the lead and to extend the lead. And I also saw a situation in Pittsburgh where they were kind of gifted of not having to go against Ben Roethlisberger where they still almost lost that game. So, one, I don't think Seattle's very good. Two, I don't think San Francisco is world beaters. I just – here's my thing with the Bengals. It's it's like they've – They've pushed all these different buzzwords and this fancy stuff and said, oh, look at this scheme and look at this, a new day and look at the new coaching staff. But when you pull back the curtain of what the Bengals really are right now, it's the same defense that played last year. It is. It's the same personnel. Listen, I bought it. I bought it. it. And and I bought it only because then I saw it in action in Seattle and I thought, okay, look, he schemed it up great. Right. But what happened? to that five-down defensive lineman look. Got dominated. Well, Shanahan had a week to prepare for right. it, and he crushed and, it. And they got – the thing that, that I guess got me, though, was – and I turned to, to somebody who was sitting next to me in the press box Sunday, and I said, this looks like really – and you see it. When a good high school team plays a not-so-good, mm-hmm. and they're just physically superior up front, and they just – they can turn and get six, yes. seven, eight yards whenever they feel like it just because they're going to push you and create a, create a crease – that's what I felt like I was watching, and that that part shouldn't be because I do think whenever they go to that five man look, those five guys they put up front are pretty good. Yeah, there's there's losses at any level where you lose, like UC losing to Ohio State. Ohio State was bigger, faster, right. and stronger. Right. UC in the first quarter against Miami was getting dominant when they shouldn't have. Right. So to me, there there's two different aspects to this. But look, I, I go back to something we talked about here last year. The struggle for this team last year was linebacker. And offensive line play. And, it, and there was talk in the offseason because Quan Alexander was available. And it was like, no, we're not going to go get him. So what would you do? You went and drafted Jermaine Pratt in the third round who got zero snaps defensively. So as bad as that game was, your third round pick couldn't see the field at all right. in the third and fourth quarter. So that's troubling because Preston Brown looks slow. He does. Nick Vigil looks undersized. Those guys against a running game. Like, it's not like San Francisco has – world beaters at the skill position. Their best skill guy didn't really hurt you That's in George Kittle. Kittle. Yeah. But it looked to me like San Francisco had the five fastest guys in the NFL it on did. Sunday. It absolutely did. That's that's Including what I Matt Yes, that's what I looked I, I I took away from that. And then offensively, talk as much as you want about the scheme with Zach Taylor, which I think Zach Taylor is a brilliant offensive mind. When you are getting hit what was it negative 0.1 yards behind the line of scrimmage? I don't care. I don't care what you can scheme. If you can't run the ball, you can't do anything. Eighteen carries, twenty nine yards is what yes. it wound up being. And, and Statistically, through the first two games, 50, it's the second worst. Yards, yeah. Second worst in the Super Bowl era. So, talk about scheme all you want. Talk about what you can do in the passing game all you want. And and people, 
They, they talk about John Ross and Tyler Boyd. John Ross got a garbage time touchdown. It's still, I'm still going to count that. Which though. I still, I mean, yeah. I mean, he's had 200 yard games. Yeah. He's, he's, look, and he made the player in the game where in space. I thought he made a bad cut or he would have gotten yep. that touchdown, but he's made some really impactful yeah. plays the first and, two and games. Talk, plays that we, he's leading, leading the NFL yeah. in receiving yards. And Tyler Boyd is, what, second behind Michael Thomas in receptions? Yep. Now, Tyler Boyd got a lot of late receptions in that game, too, but you can't you can't discredit what the receivers are doing, which to me was the question mark going in. What can they what can they do with AJ Green out? I think the receiving play has been fine. You got guys in Joe Mixon who led the AFC in rushing last year that has not done anything. And there hasn't been a hole. Because there hasn't been a hole. Right. And when and there you, is, it gets called back by a holding. Right. So I, I think the the same stuff we sat on this show and talked about last year. Are they glaring deficiencies again this year? And now okay. you look back and say, what did you do about it? Well, they, uh, we they, said that, and, and I, I know they drafted they, they, Jonah right, Williams. They tried to address that part. They obviously tried. They obviously thought, and I remember we asked Duke Tobin, Tobin at the combine about linebackers. He specifically thought that, hey, we not thought he said we think we've got some some guys that 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 can play. Right. Well, oh. your third round pick from last year, you cut. Yes. Your third round pick from this year can't see the field in a game where you gave up 562 yards. Your your free agent signing from last year is a old school four three middle linebacker. When the days when people lined up in the eye all the time and ran the football downhill, although I will say the 49ers did that some too on Sunday. They lined up in two backs with a yeah. full back and came downhill right down our throats. But for the most part, that's what he is. He's kind of a dinosaur in today's game. Um, so you're right. You didn't address any of that, and here we are again. So now it makes me ask this question. And I know as a coach, you're trying to coach it up and you're trying to scheme it up because that's what mm-hmm. you have to do. Are we now at the phase of you almost have to swallow hard and go, this is going to be three to five years of building again? It almost feels like it. And look, here, here's the thing. And people thought I was crazy going into the season when I would talk about this on, on Cincy 360. And I said, and they said, well, the schedule doesn't look that bad. And I said on this and I said on the show the week two and three are hinge games. Sure. So I had them winning this game. I had yeah. seven and nine and had them winning this game. So I'm down to six and ten. Right. They're now going to be at Buffalo, six point underdogs. Mm-hmm. Buffalo, say what you want, they've won two games. They have won two games. They're not great wins. Now I know but it's they against both New York teams, but wins are wins, man. Josh Allen has improved. He can beat you with his legs. They're going to pound you with the running game, they've, and they've got active linebackers. Yes, they have active linebackers and they have a really good defensive line. So you're you're going into the same recipe that you struggled with. How are you going to establish a running game against a good defensive line? Right. How are you going to protect long enough to throw the ball down the field? What's your defense going to do to get off the field? Oh, by the way, it's the Bills' home opener, which isn't easy. You then go to Pittsburgh, who's in shambles, I know, but it's still Pittsburgh, and that's that's a game where I envision like Mason Rudolph throwing for 400 yards <laughs> and Devin Bush having like 12 tackles. <laughs> that's what I envision that game. All of a sudden, a game which I thought was a guaranteed win, Kyler Murray looks really good in the NFL. He looks okay. I'll give him that. I mean, he looks, they, they okay. move the ball against the Ravens. They still ain't in scoring between, much. But they're not scoring in the red zone, yeah. which I think comes. Arizona, Baltimore, not easy. No, none of them. Jacksonville, I mean. No, if, if we're You, thinking, you can look, legitimately listen, be one and seven. Listen, if we think this is the team that we saw over the final 10 games of last year, which, again, offensively, offensively I think the Bengals can piece it together, together yeah. enough to score enough to win some games. The problem is. I bought into the schematics defensively might be enough to help them mask those linebacker issues. And honestly, they're corner issues, too. They got some of that, too. The corners don't tackle. They don't want to tackle. They're iffy in coverage at times. 
um, the interception for William Jackson was the first by a Bengals corner yeah. since the end of 2017, and that was a gift. I mean, that was a a, a pop up that he could have fair caught for goodness yep. sakes. Um, so they don't make plays for the most part. You you have that same defense, so I, I don't know what the recipe is to think it's going to get any better. You could legitimately be one and seven. Yes, and and let me tell you, if you thought I, I watched the Rams game and I know Drew Brees won then. Good luck blocking Aaron Donald on this Bengals front, because what is what is our front essentially right now? Uh, it's it's a it's a mess. Cordy Glenn still in concussion protocol? Yeah, we'll see tomorrow. I mean, it was, it, the question was asked I mean, yesterday, and it was still day today. Right. That's that that is now. He got hurt in the second preseason game, which yeah. was the fifteenth of August. So we are now thirty two days into him yep. being in concussion protocol. And I don't take that stuff lightly. I don't. Right. But rarely is a player in it from at maximum missing a game back for the game after. Right. So this seems very weird to right. me. Was Andre is Andre Smith hurt or did he get benched? He 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 hurt his groin. He did do that. They did say that he could have gone back in if they yep. needed him to. They just wanted to let him get out of that. They were down at that point. Let John Jerry see what he can do. We already know we don't have Michael Jordan this week. Right, and the question is, does Billy Price go back to center and Trey Hopkins go to guard? Or do you mm. say, all right, he's been so good at center, let's go back to Billy at guard? Just John Jerry could even be the guard if 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 uh, if that's the case. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of answer. Hey, the Bengals, by the way, just did. They just signed a guard in an offensive oh. tackle. Guard Keaton Sutherland off the practice squad. Okay, yeah, and tackle Dino Boyd. Oh. from the University of Cincinnati, who was signed as an undrafted college free agent by the Chiefs. And he was with the Chiefs through the preseason, waved in the final cuts. So okay. there you go. We're making Pharaoh Cooper was waived oh. to make room for Southern. I think Cooper actually. Let me see. Was Dino Boyd was was he signed to the regular squad? No, he signed to the practice squad. Okay. So Dino Boyd to the practice squad. Keaton Sutherland up to the regular squad. And again, I think that that tells you the Michael Jordan injury. The good part it sounded like it's not severe enough to be long term, uh, but it is severe enough to at least miss a game. And sometimes yeah. a game becomes two games, and then we'll see where we go from there. Yeah, it's going to be very – and now I will say this. I am looking forward to – because every team at some point is going to go through adversity. Yes. How, this, now we get to see how Zach Taylor absolutely. and this team handles adversity because that 41-17 is putting it lightly. Yeah. That game could have been 62 to nothing. Now, he, he made the whole team watch the they, – they watched the tape together on Monday um, to go over – he said he went over things series by series. Mm-hmm. Did you do that in Carolina, or did you always just do it with your position coach and get your grade and see what things were there? Because he said that's usually how he would do it, but he wanted to make a point of, we're going to watch this together, we're not going to point fingers, we're just going to point out where all the mistakes are. Yeah, early in the year where we still thought in Carolina that we could do something, we would do that. but Watch it together? Yeah. Okay. But as the season went on and we knew that we were basically tanking and the whole coaching staff was gone, we didn't really put much time in. So Gotcha. Um, no, I... I I like every. I like how everything's been handled. I like I how he's too. answered I, questions. I, I do too. He doesn't run from anything. Um, so yeah, I, I he's handled it as, as well as you can expect. I've been impressed schematically with the offense through two games. Like there's, but, but again, we we as as fans and we as media, we get drawn to these flashy things. I did. I, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna be honest. I did. Schemat. Look at the look at the scheme. Look at the new staff. Look mm-hmm. at this I, off. Look at all this. And again, you take a step back. And it's easier on Sunday to do that, and you pull the curtain back. It's the same. It's the same. No doubt, especially defensively. It's the same group of guys that was out there last year. Yeah, no, and that's what makes me now think that that okay, I, I, this you're not Zach Taylor's here for at least a five year. This yeah. becomes then a and three the guy, to five year window. I just and and to me, it's crazy that the guy you drafted in the third round can't get on the field that you said was athletic and yeah. and he can be a, I, a, a speed guy and a coverage guy in a game where you lost forty one seventeen. And you gave up over 500 yards, and it could have been 700 yards if San Francisco wanted it oh, to. Oh, it was. It could have at least been six plus. Yeah, 
in a game like that, in third and fourth corner mop-up time, you don't get on the field at all? That, that to me, is alarming from Jermaine Pratt. Yeah, they had 503 yards, by the way, through three quarters, so they were very yeah. well on pace to go well over uh, over 600 yards in that game. All right, let's move on to, to a couple things. Ben's injury, the, the, the elbow. Um, can he come back from that at his age? I think he tries just because I don't I think, think he tries. I don't, I, I think, I don't, I don't tries. think that's how he wants no, no, to go I, out. I, I, didn't, I think yeah. he tries. Can he? I Look, if, if this is the the Steelers of a couple years ago, I say yes. I just don't know because they don't have talent right now. I agree with that. Offensively, like Moncrief is there too, and he's not he doing balls. well. Juju's not overpowering anybody because he's now not the number two option. And James Conner just, I mean, they're not getting it done in the running game. I mean, James Conner left with a leg injury. It looks like he's going to be okay, but was it James Conner, Samuel? Right, it doesn't, I mean, yeah. Um, now, McDonald, their tight end's a good player, and I think Mason Rudolph can sling the ball around, but I don't know if the way the team is constructed, if Ben can come back from that, because you don't have many easy completions on that roster. Yeah, no, I, that's, that's the part for me that makes me wonder, is, is it just time for him? I know he, does, I, I know he doesn't want to go out that way, right. but the question is, will he? Uh, the Drew Brees injury, is it just, I mean, the durability of him has been insane. Yeah, it's just bad. That's, that's yeah. got to be bad luck, and I, I don't think Drew Brees... Misses more time than you think. I don't think he changes from it. I think Drew Brees comes back as the I, same Drew Brees. I'm going to put you in Sean Payton's place. No pun intended there from the old TV show. Mm. In Sean Payton's place, Taysom Hill or Teddy Bridgewater? I still think you go with Bridgewater. I was surprised that in that Rams game you didn't see more Taysom Hill. I, I was too. It's, and again, it's hard to come in in the NFL in a in the middle of a game. Or just check it down, baby. Yeah. Check it down. And for, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is the highest paid backup quarterback. So you're going to see if you can get your money's worth this week when he's got a full week to prepare. It's also not easy to go against a team that Aaron Donald is breathing down your neck every play for Teddy Bridgewater. So I'm interested to see a full week of preparation. I think you see more Taysom Hill. I think you see more uh, Teddy Bridgewater pushing the ball down the field. And hopefully, for the Saints' sake, uh, you see the refs give him a break. Yeah. Uh, Cam Newton, uh, it's revealed now, is he's he's got a sprained foot and he may not play on Sunday, and they don't know how long-term it is. You know, watching the game thirty. Look, I, I am not a big Cam Newton fan. I, I think he's you played with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I, I won't question his toughness in any way, shape, or form because I think he's gotten the living daylights beaten out of him over his career because he's run the ball a lot. And he's you know when he gets hit in the pocket and, and he's, he's withstood all that. Um, he did not look right at all last Thursday. Right, uh, and 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 you know maybe it is time for him to just shut this down and get healthy. The question is though, what what are the Panthers doing to him, letting him drop back as many times as right. they did last last Thursday night? You have Christian McCaffrey. Oh, that's one the, right. One of the best running good, backs. He? And he can catch the ball, get the ball out huh. quick. And this, this, to me, screams like when you hear an injury and it's like, well, we status is unclear. We don't know how long. Like right. That, to me, is like a uh, we're, we're in panic mode right now. And Cam Newton said after the game he wasn't hurt. And he felt fine. He's not blaming an injury on the way he played. So there's, there's a lot uh, of unknowns right now in Carolina. But when you come out and you talk about uncertainty and when he'll be back, to me, that that screams out that there's more going on than we know right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. And this I, is a guy we talked about last week, and I, I mentioned I could see him being a guy that walks away from the NFL at an earlier age because of all the poundings he's took, because of the injuries racking up, the concussions, everything like that. He's a guy that is not having fun playing football. No, right it doesn't now. look like it. And he and, and when he was really good, he he, he, he was like having it. fun right. celebrating and and the the banter back and forth. You don't see that from Cam Newton right yeah. now. Right, let's go around the AFC North. Um, we'll start with Baltimore. They've they've gotten two of the easier games to play to open the season. Miami 
is just a, a mess. I'll yep. talk to talk about them here in a second. Um, but we're all out to, to beat the Arizona Cardinals, and the Cardinals are, are now 0-1 and one. And I still think they're you know they're they're facing growing pains with with uh, Kyler Murray at quarterback, and that's understandable. Lamar Jackson was all the rage in Game One. In Game Two, he slung it around a little bit as well. 272 yards passing, 120 yards rushing. He ran it 16 times. I asked you last week. Do you think he can sustain? I just don't see how he stands up. So that means he dropped back 37 times, carried it another 16 times. That's 53 times he was involved in an offensive play. I just can't see how that's sustainable. I just don't. I mean, maybe it lasts for this year. Maybe it lasts for part. I just don't see the sustainability of it. Maybe I'm wrong, and so far to this point, he has proven me completely wrong. Yeah, I mean, through through two games now, he's ran 19 times, like you said. But I think what he's doing a better job is he's get, not taking hits. He's getting down. He's getting out of bounds. What I like about Baltimore, and we've mentioned this, they go out and get Marquise Brown. He had eight catches for 86. Yeah, they go out and, and Mark, Mark, Andrews. Mark Andrews is going to be one of the better tight ends He's of the game this year. Back-to-back great weeks. Yep, but the move that they made, they went out and got Mark Ingram. And Mark Ingram's a guy that you have to pay attention to in the backfield. So a lot of what they're doing is the play-action game. They're pounding you with the running game. They're wearing a defense down. And Lamar Jackson, through two games at least, has shown there was a third and 11 pass late in that game where he dropped an absolute dime with pressure in his face down the field to Brown that pretty much iced the game Those are the ones that that impress you. Right. That, that to me, is saying, okay, he's made it a point to work on his accuracy, and now they have an over-top threat. They have a really good tight end. They have a good running game. And they have a quarterback that can do both that's protecting himself better Along with the defense that's improved, Baltimore, I think, is a team that uh, is going to be a legitimate contender. Now, you look at the AFC North schedule this week, and I think they have the Chiefs. Yes, they do. The Steelers have the Niners, and and the the Browns have have the Rams. Rams. So, you're going to see a lot more and be able to tell a lot from the AFC North going forward because, mentioned the Ravens, the Browns last night, watching them, not impressed. And, and, and what they, I, the one thing I'll give them is this, and, and granted, they were given a bit of a gift in what was going right. on in New York, but that's a nice way to bounce back. I mean, to go back, to win on the road in this league after the way you played in the opener, yeah, I don't know if it was overly impressive, but yeah. it, this, we thought this could have been a, a – you lose that game or you start losing in that yep. game, then the wheels maybe come off very quickly for them. So for yeah. whatever we were thinking, this team might implode, and it still could very well implode and implode soon – that was a pretty good way to bounce back last night. Yeah. OBJ gets his 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 day in the sun again, coming back, and and so everybody's feeling pretty good yeah. coming out of that. A win is a win, but when I watched the Browns last year and Baker Mayfield have success, a lot of the no huddle offense, they were playing at a high pace. The play action was working. You watch that game last night; it felt like every snap the play clock was at one or two right. before that. It's just like they're a little unsure right now offensively of what they're trying to do. Now, that's not saying they don't figure it out because this is still a team that's trying to gel together. Uh, but but I was looking for more of that fast pace, that hurry up, and maybe it was more of an understanding last night like, look, we just don't want to put our defense in a bad situation because we know outright that we're going to handle the Jets on defense. All right, back to the, the Steelers, um, the 0-2 start, Ben being hurt. But they did make a trade for Minka Fitzpatrick. He said he wanted out of Miami. I get it. I, I If you're a player with some pride – and, and they're doing that to you, I'd want to get the hell out of there too. I mean, that, it, it, it's obscene what they're doing. I've, I'm not sure I've ever seen an NFL team have a worse two two weeks than, than they've had. To lose by a combined, I'm doing this off the top of my head, 102 to 10 at home? Yeah. At home? They can legitimately go 0-16 There's this no year. question. They, they really can. 
Um, Opened as what, 20.5-point underdogs to Dallas? Yeah, well, I think the Jets are 22.5 right now, and the Dolphins are 21.5. Holy cow. And the Jets get the, the Patriots, yeah. which you know, a great gift for the Patriots. The Patriots are going to play the Dolphins, and they're going to play the Jets in back-to-back weeks. But what, what I think is interesting about this whole Fitzpatrick trade, you can love it, you can hate it, you can be with no feeling about it, I'll give Pittsburgh this. At least they're doing something. Yeah, and, and, which you and, don't and, see and, in the and NFL. And I, a lot. I had some people. And it was a question posed to me, and it's. I think it's a good one. They they gave up a first round pick to get Minka Fitzpatrick. They got a couple of later round picks. I think back there was some back end swapping. That was basically what it was. It was Fitzpatrick for a one. He's a legit corner, and they need they need a corner. And the whole part of now Ben being hurt, maybe the Steelers. Let's just say they go four and twelve, five and eleven. You would have cost yourself. Certainly a top 10 draft pick, mm-hmm. if not even maybe top five or six. But I would ask you, Mika Fitzpatrick's a proven product. He's not an right. all-pro guy. He's not a Pro Bowl guy, but he's a proven product versus that unproven fifth or sixth. Which, which one would you rather have? Right. An unproven guy that we've seen or a guy that, I mean, it's not like they're just getting him for this year. And, and look, if you're looking, if, if you believe in Mason Rudolph, and they seem to, they don't forget, they traded right. Josh Dobbs, yeah. who was in the system. Uh, they like all all reports. They like Mason Rudolph right. a lot. If you think he's your quarter, quarterback of the future, I don't think you'd tank enough. I shouldn't say tank. You wouldn't have a bad enough record to right. get in that that battle for Tua Tagovailoa, which clearly Miami's going for. And I, unless he can play left tackle, left guard, throw the ball to himself and snap it to himself right. and be Superman, I'm not sure how one quarterback is going to change that that whole organization around. But okay, do what you got to do. Um, I think Pittsburgh made a good trade. They're, they're usually pretty good at doing this kind of stuff. I think they made a good trade, and again, they noticed a deficiency they had, and they addressed it right. with a proven player. What we've seen here over the last couple of years, unproven players. Jermaine Pratt, Malik Jefferson, unproven, and they're not playing. You know what Minka Fitzpatrick is. You know that he can play at a high level in this league, so go get a guy that you already know is proven, and if you have trust and belief in your guy, Mason Rudolph, then what are you worried about? Right. No, right. Yeah, go go get a guy, and that's what they did. We'll see if it pays off for him, I, but I like the approach of, hey, we have a deficiency, let's go and attack it. I agree with you. What do you do, what do, you do on December 22nd <laughs> when you're going to be in Miami yep. for the Bengals and the Dolphins? A tank for two a bowl? What if the Dolphins are winless in that game and they beat the Bengals? If they're winless in that game, they're going to go in full-fledged tank mode. Yeah. They could be the only team. Hey, they could hold the distinction of being the only franchise in history to have undefeated both and an undefeated. undefeated and a winless season. Like so there you go. I think they're in full tank mode at that stage. One other thing I want to talk about is is the Jacksonville Jaguars and, and their cornerback, Jalen Ramsey, demanding a trade. Do you give in to guys like this? I do not. Okay. I think this is a slippery slope now in the NFL. The game is already being muddied up by terrible officiating. Yeah, I wanted to, I'm going to get to that in college football in a minute. You're adding all this. The, the, the whistle on the yeah. fumble in the New Orleans game was just absurd. Well, that, the, and, and you're seeing now plays that cost games. Yes. The Chubb sack yes. against the Bears that yeah. was called roughing the passer, yeah, what, an I, absolute I, joke. What else is he supposed right. to do? Can you, I mean, a, I honestly, what else no, is he supposed to do? Nothing. There's an offensive pass interference called in the Raiders game that was god-awful. I didn't see that. It is. It, it was a bad week for officiating. So you've muddied up officiating. You've extended the games because of all the replays, and you're slowing this down. And now you have players that are essentially saying, well, I'm on a bad team. I want out. Now, I I understand that the, the Dolphins did it, and the Dolphins got something for it. 
that that's going to help their their future. Yeah, I mean they're clearly. I mean it's not even right. debatable. They're clearly building for the future. So. Right. I, I'm just not a fan of. I mean the Jaguars are a quarterback away from being a really good football team. Well, and he's actually played pretty right. well. And really in that division, does does Houston scare you? No, I mean does uh, Indy? No. Does Tennessee? No, I, I still think I, I think the Jaguars are hitting the panic button a little too early. But that's just Jalen Ramsey. That's just a guy being too frustrated and. To just give in, you're just giving him his way, and I just don't think that's the way to go about it. I would agree with that. All right, coming up next, we got some college football to talk about. Uh, UC got kind of righted the ship a little bit there. Ohio State continues rolling along. We'll talk about Kentucky's debacle and a bad oh. officiating call in that game, and some big games coming up this weekend to talk about. We will do that as we continue. It's the Angry Quarterbacks from your friends at ESP Media from the James Rapine Memorial Studio. ESP Media has been producing and operating websites, mobile apps, game films, broadcasts, and social media content since 2010. We have entered into an exciting partnership with Sidearm Sports, the number one provider of collegiate athletic websites in the world. If you're reevaluating your athletic website's overall look and day-to-day operation, ESP Media can assist you. Reach us today at 513-655-4966 or email us at sales at ESPMediaSN.com. Join ESP Media and Sidearm Sports to be the leader welcome back in to segment three of the angry quarterbacks we talked some high school football some nfl now time to turn our attention to college football i'm richard skinner from local 12 and local 12.com with the real quarterback tony pike also the sideline analyst for the university of oh, cincinnati yes. and i did text you in the first quarter of that game and said this offensive line is awful and at that point they were what changed because really they started to get some things right what changed in your opinion in that win over miami uh well i think what you saw is the defense get back to what we expected them to be. They they put their foot in the ground after getting punched in the mouth for a quarter. Yeah. And I think they were still reeling from that Ohio State game, to be honest. It, it took them a while to get their footing. Miami was playing with really good tempo. They were switching it up. And that was a late in that game. I mean, that was a Brian Wright forced fumble with Miami in the red zone from getting That's right. way out of no, hand. No, you're right. And that changed the momentum completely. Uh, but I, I, I learned that the defense – can still be really good for yeah, this team. Yeah, I, 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 we asked that question last week. You and I talked. I yep. thought, I thought the defense actually played fairly admirable at Ohio State. Yeah, and, and they've dealt with a lot of injuries. Yeah. Uh, Arquan Bush should be coming back. They lose two safeties. Uh, it, it's been a little bit of a patchwork going forward, but to me, uh, you want to make your bread and butter with this Bearcat team running the ball. And what we've seen from the offensive line. I mean, Michael Warren had 113 yards, but 73 of those were on, on one, one pop, run. Right. So the stats can be a little bit skewed there. I was impressed with how they bounced back. I was impressed with how they kind of regained their footing. What was questioning to me is seeing it, it just didn't seem like the same Des Ritter on the field. It didn't seem you like see, he was, I, I actually had to run. I, I left at halftime to run a few errands and then got back to watch yeah. the fourth quarter of some games. And I heard you actually say that yeah. and, and explain by what, what you meant. Well, it, Des Ritter is usually the guy that is – on the field with a little bit of energy energy and swag about him. And off the field, he is, you know, with the linemen and with the receivers and, and going back and forth. It just seemed like he was kind of out of it during the game. He didn't seem to have that fire during the game. He was running the ball, uh, giving himself up. Now, I think some of that has to do with the shoulder injury from Ohio State and just saying, okay, I need to get through this game healthy and now I got to buy week. That's what I want. How much? How much does that week off help him and everybody? Oh, it, and and yeah. usually buys don't come this early for most right. teams. And maybe this actually fell at exactly the right yeah, place. Yeah, this, this is what they need, and they're going to get some guys healthy. But I think it was more so. Let me get through this game healthy, rehab, and get back to 100 percent because you kind of saw him in that second half. And I think it's also an understanding of what they are. Last year, that offensive line was solid for the Bearcats. Right now, 
he's not just struggling on the right tackle, but the left tackle. Yeah. So it's very hard to kind of, as you're on the go, to learn how to play with an offensive line that's not as strong. And I think he's doing that as well and trying to piece all that together. So I think that was more of a flash in the pan for Des Ritter. I think he's back to the Desmond Ritter we know at that Marshall game. Yeah. Um, Ohio State uh, will take on that same Miami team this week, so they get kind of another – That spreads 40. Another layup. Um, but it gets Miami lost two tackles to, as well to get Justin cool. Fields some some more stats and then open up Big Ten play at Nebraska the following week. Nebraska team. Well, they played in Indiana this week. Oh, that's right. You're right. So yeah, okay. Yep. But they play at Nebraska next week. So yeah, coming off the win over over uh, Indiana and another fine performance for Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. But he'll get a chance to put up some some numbers in that game. Kentucky plays at Mississippi State after a heartbreaking loss Man. to uh, to Florida. They had a 21-10 lead. We're leading 21-16 when. The quarterback for Florida was being being sacked, and as he did, he spun around. Yep. Guy from Kentucky came in with shoulder and head not his head was up. He's going at the, there's no question in my mind he was not targeting. Right now, they, the helmets did connect. I think in both both leagues, the NFL and college, we really have to refine this definition of targeting. And it wasn't just the Kentucky game. I saw one in in Michigan State, Arizona State, where a, a defensive end or linebacker he bent around the corner on the tackle, and you know sometimes you got to go low to yep. bend around. He was at about knee level as he got around and lunged at the guy's knees. Mm-hmm. Didn't look dirty. Didn't look at it. It was just that's where he had to tackle him from. And yep. no offense to, to quarterbacks or anybody else. Okay. To get tackled, sometimes that's where you get tackled around right. the knees. Well, right? where do you want him to get hit? That, High. That's the part I'm. It has gotten so over officiated, yep. and they're so conscious of all of this that it's made it honestly almost unwatchable for me. And I hate to say that. I love football. I love college for what it yep. is. I love the NFL for the for for what it is. It's gotten to the point as, and I don't get a chance to watch a lot as a fan because I'm either traveling Saturdays or uh, and I'm covering a team on a Sunday. But I had a chance to watch a bunch, and I certainly Kentucky's one. Of, it's about the only thing I'm passionate about as a, as a fan mm-hmm. is Kentucky football. It felt unfortunate that that game turned on that call where the guy wasn't targeting. Right? Did he hit him in the helmet? Yeah. The quarterback also. Guess what he was trying to do? Trying to kind of go right. into a fetal position to 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 not get hurt and yep. and helmets hit. It was it was one of those situations, not just that game, but we see it in college and the NFL where calls now are changing outcomes of the game in a bad way, where it should be a. A play where it's hey that's a that's a football play that's a physical play. Look, you you played on in in those games with the contact all around right. you, and I I don't like dirty play, and right. I I've watched enough football over my years to discern that was a dirty play and that, and that was a kind of accidental. Right? They can't do that. They should be able to. That's that's the demoralizing thing. Is it seems like it's getting worse. Yes. It seems like we're talking about officiating the more. Chuck didn't more. even rough him. Right. It wasn't even close to roughing. Right. Hit him right in the square of the back. Didn't, As he was releasing it, didn't drive him into the ground. No, he just actually finished got the tackle. It, exactly. I mean, it 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 is again. It's it's costing teams games now. I will say this about the Kentucky game: up eleven. Yes, you got to finish that game out. Up eleven, and they they went for it on fourth down. That was the only thing I didn't understand because Florida had a backup quarterback in. Yep. Make him go the length of the field and, and beat you twice. I think that, along with that that uh, the roughing play was two big momentum swings no that went Florida's way, and then obviously the missed field goal, yeah. and, and it kind of explodes from there. Yeah, I, yeah, and I'm not trying to – they're a seven-and-a-half-point underdog at Mississippi State, and Mississippi State's off to a two-and-one start, just lost to Kansas State. I think it's a toss-up game. If Kentucky had won that game and won the Mississippi State game on the road and being on the road yep. makes it tough, I, I, I conceivably could have seen them running the table to Georgia. I, there's no way they beat – Georgia is a – 
three touchdown better than them on any day yeah. team. But you give me that swing again like they had last year, I'm, I'm going to sign up for that swing. Yeah, you just wonder how how much a game like this carries over to the I, next I understand, game. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Because there was so much there right in front of you. You're going to beat a top 10 team. Yep. And you, you kind of let it slip. There's and and usually, this, was, this was everybody, you know, look, last year was a magical year for Kentucky football. Right. That Last year doesn't happen the way that yep. very often, if at all. And it was, okay, well, you lost all these guys, and it, this was just one of those magical years. And I think for Mark Stoops and his staff, they, they've they been telling people, no, we're building a program. That, to me, would have shown, yep. hey, this this is a program It's not just now. a one-and-done type right. of thing. Right. But, yeah, those, those are the games you got to have. you got to have them. Speaking of Georgia, hosting Notre Dame this week, what do you think of that matchup? Uh, I I think Georgia's really good, but they just haven't been tested yet. And, and I think Notre Dame has, and I think Notre Dame has – Kind of knows more about where they're at, but I mean, I I, I cannot pick against Fromm and, and what Georgia has built either. right yeah, now. I, 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 I think Georgia can handle that game. Um, also, this week though, a big game in the Big Ten: Michigan at Wisconsin. Wisconsin has not not given up a point, and they've not really played anybody to this point either. Uh, but still, have not given up a point for Jim Harbaugh. How big of a game is this? <laughs> At some point, you have to win a big game. And yeah. can you tell me? What big game Harbaugh has won at Michigan since he's been there? I off the top of my head, I cannot. I can't either. So to me, this would be one. Your underdogs on the road at Wisconsin, three and a half, I believe. Is yep. the number. Uh, and and the talk has been they have not won the big game. So this would be a game that you would win if you want to change the narrative. Yeah, no, and then I think good luck. And then I think it snowballs from there because they still have Michigan yes. State, which that was a disappointing loss for them. But they still have Michigan State, I believe. You can correct me. I think they still got Notre Dame. And obviously they've got Ohio State still. So this yeah, is the so first. This is the first of a handful of. They'll tests. still have Iowa, who's ranked. Penn State, I think who's Iowa's ranked. Pretty good. Notre Dame, who's right. ranked. Uh, Michigan State, Ohio State, and a team that lost this week, but it seems like they've put up nine hundred points. Maryland, right. So you still got a tough schedule going forward if you're Michigan, coming off of a overtime win against Army. We'll see. Yeah, uh, I want to ask you about the top two teams because we, we we always talk in those terms of Clemson, Alabama. Um, is there a chink in Clemson's armor offensively? Are they bored? Because they, they're just they, bored. They don't seem they don't seem right. I think they're just. bored. And I say that after they go on the road and still get another blowout victory. Yeah, I, I think I think both both Alabama and Clemson are bored. I think both quarterbacks are elite quarterbacks. I I am upset with both of them because they both gave up backdoor covers this <laughs> week, or they didn't. Alabama gave up backdoor cover and Clemson scores. When they should have been taking a knee. Yes, that's yeah. Freaking drives me nuts. But I will say this: those those two are the top two teams. I am growing very interested week by week to watch Jalen Hurts in Oklahoma. I am too, and I I told you I kind of thrown them out of the mix just because of that league. But now that league in Kansas State goes to Mississippi State and wins, so that's kind of a head to head about where each team is in their league. Kansas State middle of the road, Mississippi State middle of the road. They go on the road and beat them. Um, yeah, I'm, I am too. And, and it, I, I was listening to, oh my gosh, Joel Klatt, um, mm-hmm. yesterday on the radio. And I like Joel. I think Joel's really good. I'm, I, I'm some analysts I think are full of it. I think Joel Klatt's really good. And he, he made the point of, of at Alabama, Jalen Hurts kind of played with the raps on a little bit and I get yep. it. And he said, that's what he said too. He said, listen, I'm not blaming Nick Saban. You see what he does. They win the, the way he wins it. And that's, that's all well and good. But the Jalen Hurts down there was beaten out by Tua because Tua is a, was supposedly a better passer, and he still probably is. If you rate the two of them from an NFL perspective, Tua is on a different planet from Jalen Hurts. But 
the wraps are off Jalen Hurts now, yeah. and you're starting to see some of that. And I, I go back to before Tua, he was the SEC Player of the Year. Yes, this isn't chopped liver. This isn't He's some winning bum. national titles. He just got beat out by a better guy. And so now he's in a system where guy knows what he's doing, flourishing, and I'm with you. And their defense looks better. Yes. I don't think they're great. Um, that that UCLA team is just a train oh wreck in five eights. Um, yep. They're a, they're a mess. But, but they, they had a, they had a big win against Houston and Houston and Derek King. Yes. That's a, that's yes. a good test. No, I agree with uh, you. The thing with Oklahoma is they have Texas. Te- they're a bye this week. They have Texas Tech and then Kansas, and then they kind of get into the meat. Yeah, and and really, but the meat of that league this year is Texas. Certainly not West Virginia. All right, let me let me go to the, yeah right correct. And then you get Kansas State, Iowa State. I get and TCU, but other than that, I don't think right, I don't think they're going to be tested. I, I would ask you this though. I don't either. I'm with you on that. Can they survive a loss? I don't think no. they could this year. This no, is the year they, not with they, not with how the the league is set up right. and how there's just not the the chances for big wins. They can't afford a loss. I don't think they lose though. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued. And you listen to Jalen Hurts post game and stuff. It's like he's. He's wanting to get I, to that. Listen, man, if we get to the college playoffs and you don't Oklahoma, get Bama and Alabama, Alabama, come on now. Yep. you you got to be hoping for that, yep. right? Absolutely. G- give me that. Give me that matchup. Um, Lincoln Riley could realistically have three different years of three Heisman winners. incredible. That would be really incredible. Although, again, I, I, Justin Fields is working his way yeah. into the mix for me a little bit. And you know somebody else is too? And I the schedule will Michael probably Warren. prevent him. Joe Burrow. Yeah. I, Joe, well, Burrow, Joe Burrow. He looks like a different guy, man. Even talking, he's like a different guy. He's just more confident. He has a, a little bit of a uh, swag about him. But I'm still, I'm still in the Jalen Hurts Heisman campaign. I'm, I'm with you. I, I like that idea. You got, a, you got a lock of the week for me. I may, may start to ask you to have, give me a lock of the week. I know uh, you like to look at numbers. You're, yeah. you're a numbers kind of guy. Quarterbacks are analytical like that. Yeah, I mean, I when we we talked about it, I I just think that. Um, I think Wisconsin's better than Michigan. It's three and a half. I think I think they cover the three and a half, and I know the the big game, Notre Dame Georgia. I think it's thirteen. And thirteen a half. and a half is a lot of points between three and seven. It's at Georgia. I, I'll give you that. I, I just don't think Georgia has been tested yet to this point. Georgia wins this by like ten, but I don't think they cover. I mean, they've played Vanderbilt, Murray State, and Arkansas State. Yeah, you don't you don't know no. much about that yet. So no, it's, it's this is it's not like you. Like they play Tennessee after Notre Dame. If they had played like Tennessee, Kentucky, then Notre Dame, maybe. I just don't know top end how Georgia is yet. I think they're good enough to make the playoff. I think they're good enough to win this game. I just don't think they win by 14. All right, good stuff as always, Tony. I appreciate it. We'll be back again next week to talk some high school football, NFL, college, and much, much more. It's the Angry Quarterbacks for Tony Pike. I'm Richard Skinner and executive producer Rob Ebel from the James Rapine Memorial Studio. It's been the Angry Quarterbacks from your friends at ESP Media.